Think about the human body and this incredible mix of cells and tissues and organs and nerves, and they all work together to allow us to live. I mean, all these things are firing. Many of, many of them you don't even think about. They're just happening. They're going on all the time in our bodies, enabling us to get through our day. And, and most of the time, it's something we take for granted. When everything's working like it's supposed to, we don't give it a lot of thought. We just get up and go about our day. But when things begin to go wrong, when things don't work quite like they're supposed to, whether it be mental or physical, all these things tend to kind of slow us down, derail us, get us off track a little bit. But I I spent a little time this week considering just how marvelous this human body is. And I ran into a lot of facts, and I wanted to share a bunch of them with you, but I just want to give you a few this morning because I thought it's just fascinating when you see all the detail work that God went to. First of all, the adult human. In the adult human, 25% of the bones are in your feet. Just think about that. No wonder your feet hurt. 25% of the bones of your body are in your feet. Uh, An adult human also, just taking one step, uses about 200 muscles in your body. No wonder walking is such a good exercise for you because it's really working out more than just your legs. Your little finger. Your little finger contributes about 50% of your hand's strength. I don't know if any of you ever broken your little finger, or not been able to use it, but it really is a debilitating thing. If someone says, hey, listen, I'm, I'm going to cut off one of your fingers, you pick which one, then actually you want to pick your index finger. It's not because it's not important, because you need something to point at people, right? You need something to click your mouse with, but your body actually adjusts, according to science, more to having missing this finger than any other finger on your hand. So don't go with the little finger. Fingers themselves don't have muscles. They have tendons. The muscles that control your fingers are actually in your palm and in your forearm. We don't think about that. The brain contains 86 billion nerve cells. They're joined by 100 trillion connections That number is more than the stars in the Milky Way. And then this, the human eye, which may be the most complex part of our body. The human eye only weighs seven or eight grams, and yet it has over two million working parts. And working along with the brain, because it needs that, it allows us to perceive light and objects and to rightly interpret them and to figure out perspective and and all these things. The human eye is a fascinating, fascinating thing. Now, this is just scratching the surface. There's so much that's going on in your body, so much that's taking place in your body. You are, as the Bible says, fearfully and wonderfully made. God puts you together in an intricate way. Some of you need to hear this this morning. You are not an accident. You were designed by God. The human body is incredibly marvelous, fascinating, complex. And when everything, like I said, works together, it can do amazing things. 
Um, I, sometimes I'll look at the Olympics, uh, Summer Olympics, Winter Olympics, and these people who have their bodies trained to the nth degree. Now, they are beyond normal, okay? I wouldn't recommend some of the things they do. I wouldn't recommend that we try doing that. But that is what the human body is capable of doing when trained properly, when all the parts are working together as they should. And your body has a way when something isn't working quite right to begin to make up for that, to compensate for that. And so what's all this talk about the human body? Well, the Holy Spirit led the Apostle Paul when he was going to describe the church and try to help people understand what it means to to be the church and to be part of a church, the illustration, the analogy that he picked was the human body. And so this morning, what we want to spend a few minutes doing is looking in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I referenced that last week. We're going to spend a little time working on it this week. By the way, um, uh, as you're turning there, I will remind you that uh, we have this book for free. If you did not pick it up, it's available for you. You can go over to the Grace at Home Welcome Center directly across. There should be plenty of those for you to pick up. And what we're going to talk about today corresponds, but let's not duplicate chapter one, okay? Uh, what you're, if you're reading this, you're not going to get the same thing on Sunday morning that you're getting out of the book. And so this corresponds with chapter one. So if you haven't read chapter one, I'd encourage you to read it. If you have read it, there may be some things that sound familiar, but that's kind of where we are. So today we're, we're in sync with chapter one of this book, but we want to look together at first Corinthians chapter 12. And this thing is chock full of truths for us. And we just don't have time to rest on each of them. But I want, to, I want us to see them together. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to begin reading with verse 12. And this is what we see here. For just as the body has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free and all were made to drink of one spirit. And so here it is. The key truth of this portion of the scripture is that we are one body. What Paul is trying to emphasize here is this unity, this oneness that we have together in Christ. And this is true universally in that we are one with the universal, the entire body of Christ, all believers uh, in all nations and all languages and all these people. We are We are one with them. But we also discussed last week, we're also one as a local church. Unity was important to Jesus. As a matter of fact, on the night he was, he, before he was arrested and crucified, one of the main things that he prayed about in the Garden of Gethsemane was that we would be one. We would be unified. We would be together. And that doesn't mean we'll all be alike It just means that there's something that holds us together, which is greater than those things that would tend to push us apart. Well, let's continue to read. Verse 14, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And so we said we are one body. Now the key truth is this. The one body is made of many unique parts. Take a look around. There's not another person in here like you who has not just the way you look, 
Not just your fingerprints. Not just your retina scan. But there's not one person in here who has a mix of, of, of abilities, um, of gifts, of experiences. There's not one person in here who has what you have. You are unique, just as every part of our body is unique. They're not all the same. We're not all the same. There's so many unique parts here, and and I thank God for that, that we're not all alike. Because our diversity is important. It shows something. It shows that no matter how different we are, that God can bring us together because there's something more important than me or you. Let's continue to read verse 15. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. So here's the key truth there. No part of the body can say, I don't belong. There's none of us. Now, I will admit, there are times when I hear someone up here on the platform singing, or I see someone out here serving, or I see that you know there, there's somebody who actually knows how to do math. When I look at that, there's a little envy because those are not things that, that are on the top of my list. Those are not the, the, the things I am best at. That's not my wheelhouse. But I shouldn't look at that and go, you know, because I can't do what he does or she does or they do, that somehow I'm unnecessary. There are no unnecessary parts of the body. I mean, would you like to volunteer today to lose a part of your body? I mean, I, I guess we could have had a surgeon here to, to remove and say, okay, let's, let's prove the point. But listen, none of us just wants to hop up on the operating table and say, okay, start lopping them off because I don't need this and I don't need this and I don't need this. No, we look at the body and we need to recognize just what it teaches. There's no part of the body that says, hey, listen, because I'm not that person or that person or that person, because I don't have this gift, that gift or that gift, I don't belong. We all belong to the body. Keep moving along. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing Where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as He chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And here the key truth is that God designed each member to fit and function in the body. And I'm so grateful for that. I am grateful that where I am weak and where I have no experience or no skills or no talent, God raises up people who have those gifts, those skills, those talents, and they can put those talents to use. And when we're all doing that, when the whole body is working together as it should, it's an incredible Thing. We, we become an uh, Olympic style church. 
a church that is able to do things beyond the norm because the whole body is working together. You're not having one part of the body having to compensate for another part of the body. We keep on moving to here. I told you there's a lot here. Verse 25, 20, uh, where are we? 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the hand to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts that we think are less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which are more presentable parts which do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. And so the key truth here is that no part of the body can say to another part, I don't need you. So we can't say to that I'm not needed, nor can we say I don't need you. There are no parts of the body that are dispensable, that we can simply do without. And it's one of the reasons that we as a church need to be acutely aware of those who are around us, whether that's within our small group or within our social group or who sits right around us in the worship center, to look around and say, okay, who is it that's not here? What part of the body is missing And sure, you could call the church office and say, well, I haven't seen so-and-so in a couple of weeks, but guess what? You're a part of the body, so you can respond to that need as well. You can pick up the phone, you can write the note, you can make the visit and say, hey, listen, I have been missing you. You are important here. I need you. Because every part of the body is important. We keep moving, verse 25, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And very simple key truth here is that every part of the body needs every other part of the body. You may think that little toe is completely insignificant and you may not pay any attention to your little toe for weeks and weeks and weeks until that morning you get up before light on the way to the bathroom. And that box that you forgot you left there, that clothes basket you forgot you left there, catches that little toe. Every part of your body responds. We're connected. We're intertwined. We are interwoven. We're not just independent parts doing our own thing. We are interdependent. That's the way God designed us. We keep moving. Verse 28, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. And here's the key truth, that God gives us all we need to function as the body of Jesus in the world. God gives us what we need. 
That's why your part in the life of the church is so important. And that's why every part that you look at as you see people who are connecting the life of the church, that's why they're important. Because God designed us that way. We have a unique design. And not everybody's an eye, not everybody's an ear, not everybody's a foot, not everybody's a hand, not everybody's a kidney, but everybody's important. And as we all function together, we can do incredible things. When I sign my letters, the best is yet to come, it's not just some cute catchphrase. It is both my hope and my expectation. I believe that what God has in store for us is greater than now or anything that's happened in the past. The best is yet to come, but that happens as we begin to function as the body of Christ. And let me just close with this last verse here in chapter 12, which says, and now we'll show you a still more excellent way. And before you get the key truth up there, let me ask you, what follows 1 Corinthians chapter 12? 1 Corinthians 13, good. You're tracking with me. And some of you got ahead of me a little bit. 1 Corinthians 13 is called what? The love chapter. Not the love boat, for those of you in my generation, but the love chapter. And we shared that last week. If you didn't hear that message, it's available online. You can go and listen. But we shared from 1 Corinthians 13 last week, and we said that this love chapter doesn't simply refer to the man-wife, husband-wife relationship, man-woman relationship. doesn't simply refer to that. It's, it was intentionally and originally a reference to how we are to be with one another in the church. And so the key truth here is love binds. It binds us together in the church. It's love that binds us together. It's love that enables us to put up with the differences, to put up with the preferences. It's love that says, you know what? It's not, that's not, not my cup of tea, but if this is the direction we're going, I'm with you. There have been a couple of votes that we've had in the church when we've come together in church conference and I've had, and I'll pick on Jim Meadows because Jim and I go way back. There have been a couple of times that Jim has Voted no on a motion. But then come to me and said, because I'm part of this body, and because the church said this is the direction we're going, you can count on me. I'm on board. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna throw stones from a distance. I'm not gonna start a campaign to undermine things. I'm part of this body. And that's a blessing to me, Jim. And he's not the only one. There's so many of you who have that very same attitude. It's not the way I'd do it. That's not the song I'd pick. That's not the color I'd choose. And yet, I'm part of something that's bigger than me. I'm part of this kingdom work. I'm part of the body. And sometimes, I'm sure... My toes would rather me not wear these socks. It just goes with being part of the body. Now that's a lot of truth in those verses. In fact, there was eight key truths that I just pointed out, and I just skimmed the surface. But let me tell you what, eight key truths, that's one. So if you started tomorrow to just meditate on one truth a week, 
that gives you one for every day of the week and two for Sunday. To just think about this in reference to our church and to you as being a part of it. Now, there are blessings to being a part of the church, and there's certainly responsibilities to being a part of the church. But as I said before, we're all in this together. Every one of us are in it together. So we come here because we want to grow, but we should also come here because we want to help other people grow. And we come here because we want to be encouraged, but we should also come because we want to be an encourager. We come here because we want a group of people who loves us, but we should also come here to want to, to, to want to love on other people. We come here, we connect here, not just for self, but for Jesus and for others. Some of you watched the, watched the national championship game between Clemson and Alabama. I want to. I have a confession to make. I went to bed at halftime. I wasn't feeling well. I slept through it, but I got a chance to catch up the next morning and see some of the clips, see how the game went. But what was probably the greatest blessing of all was to hear Dabo Sweeney, Clemson's head coach, after this great win, after getting a trophy for being the best football team, the college football team in the nation, he gave all the glory to the Lord. And he pointed out something that we've talked about in here, and that is the priorities of life, and that is Jesus, others, and then yourself. Now, if you'll notice, if you take that and make it an acrostic, it's joy. And it's true. If we can get those priorities in our lives, that it's about Jesus first. It's about others next. And then it's about me. It'll completely change our attitude. It can completely change our idea of what it means to be part of a church. If you have read, and again, I encourage you to pick this up if you haven't. If you have begun to read this book, you've noticed at the end of each chapter, there is a commitment that Tom Rayner asks you if you'd be willing to make. And I want to tell you something. We're not asking you to sign these pages, rip them out, and turn them in, okay? Some people go, you know, I'm not real comfortable with that. Sounds a little legalistic to me. And so I want to give you an alternative. What if we made that instead of a commitment... What if we made it a prayer? What if we said, you know, for this week, I'm going to turn that into a prayer for me. And so, if I am not mistaken, on your handout this morning, if you got that, I don't know if any of you have been taking the notes, but... And we're going to try to do this for you every week, just to, to be of help. On the back, there's a prayer. Now again, some of you go, I don't, I don't like just read prayers. That's okay. Let, let this one kind of sink in and see. But this morning, if you've got it in front of you, it's not up on the screen. I just want to pray this for us, and I want to encourage you, to begin to take this and to pray this this week for you and for your family and to make it personal. Because you can come and you could hear some whiz-bang sermon, not that you've heard it today, but you could hear the greatest sermon you've ever heard in the world. If you walk out the door and it has no effect on your life, all you've got was information. What we want to do with this is say, okay, God, 
What do you want to do with that that I heard this morning in my life, in my home? How do you want to change me? How do you want to change my family? And so I'd like to close with this prayer this morning. Would you join your hearts with me? Father, because I am a member of the body of Christ, help me be a functioning member, whether I'm an eye or an ear or a hand. As a functioning member, lead me to give, to serve, to minister, to evangelize, to study, and to seek to be a blessing to others. Help me, Lord, to remember that if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, then all the members rejoice with it. I know you want me to be a part of the church and not apart from it. So guide me into a deeper connection with your people. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen.